0: This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Vollmeranz comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, family. So glad we can be together again. Give yourselves a great big hand sitting in the sanctuary. Praise God. So glad you are in church. And if you're in the uh, theater, If you're in, Sheila Palmer, Dr. Bev, or Dr. Theo, give yourselves a great big hand clap. So glad you're in church. And for all of you watching live at home, wherever you are around the world, welcome to church today. All right. This is part seven in our series, God has destined us to live in His abundant life. Now, we are living in a world that's full with fears and turmoil and confusion. I know that a lot of businesses have closed down. I'm aware of that. I'm aware that uh, people have been ha- kept back at home. And so they've lost financial earnings, perhaps. Um, many have got sick. And a lot of folks are concerned about the vaccine and whatever have you. So, there's a lot of concerns out there right now. However, in spite of all that, the Lord is our protector, provider, and has promised to come for us soon. So, we are not to give up, be disheartened, be discouraged, because He said, when you see these things coming, look up, your redemption draws near. Jesus said this was going to happen. He hasn't left us defeated, no. We are the church, the body of Christ. He lives in us. His power is well able to deliver us and provide for us. So we're learning about his destiny for us to have abundant life, which he died for. He died so we can enjoy this. He did not die in vain, all right? So, let's look at our opening scripture, which is our theme scripture. John 15, 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. So, Jesus said, if we'll fellowship with him, we'll bear much fruit. All right, so what kind of fruit is that? Go to John chapter 10, verse 10. And Jesus says... I have come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. All right, so he came to give us abundant life. And his coming was not in vain. Praise the Lord. And he said, Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy in that very same verse. So God came, Jesus came to give us abundant life. What would that be? There would be God's presence, There will be God's anointing, there will be God's character, his nature, his intelligence, his wisdom, his ability, his provision, uh, his favor, all these wonderful things. And there's various ways that we can tap into all these wonderful blessings. We've looked at several of them. And tonight we're looking at the worship component. The worship component. In other words, you're looking at the picture on the box of the jigsaw puzzle, each little piece makes up the cover on the box. One of those pieces is worship. Another one is prayer. Another one is meditating in the Word. Another one is going to church, and so on and so on. We've looked at all of those. Now, today the final one is worship. So let's go to John chapter 4 and verse 23. Jesus said this. He said, The hour is coming, and now is. In other words, it's here already. When the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Well, that is packed full of revelation. Number one, he says, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That means we will sing in tongues. Now, that does not rule out telling God in our home language that we love Him and worship Him. Obviously, that doesn't rule that out. but. God the Father prefers us to worship Him in tongues. All right? The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is seeking worshipers. I'll talk about that now. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. All right, so God is seeking those who are true worshipers, looking for them. This means that God draws near to them, and he manifests himself to them. He reveals himself to them. His presence abides on the worshiper. Now, we see this in the life of David. All right, let's go to Psalm 30 and verse 4. David said, Sing praise to the Lord you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. Now, Psalm 9, verse 1. David said, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. All right, I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, most high. Now I go to Psalm five, verse eleven. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy, because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. Well. Wow. You can see some of the fruit that comes through the praise and worship uh, is God's favor. God's abundant blessing on us, one more of the many blessings, is favor when we worship God. There are so many Psalms of David that deal with praise and worship. Clearly, David was a worshipper from his childhood. And that's why we see favor on David his whole life. Favor means that God puts you at the top. He puts you first. He makes sure that you are taken care of before others. Now, in the next portion of Scripture, we're going to see how David was invited by King Saul to come and worship God in the king's presence. While he was still a teenager, so David was a teenager, He's invited to come to the palace to worship God in the presence of the king. The anointing had lifted from King Saul because of his rebellion against God. And a demon spirit was tormenting the king. All right, let's read about that in 1 Samuel 16. Verse 14, but the spirit of the Lord departed from King Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled the king. Now in the Hebrew it reads, God allowed this distressing spirit to trouble the king. In the English, we do not have a passive verb, only a causative verb. Therefore, the translators wrote this in the causative sense. But in the Hebrew, they have a passive verb. In other words, God allowed this to happen. He did not initiate it. God never sent a demon to harass the king. He allowed it. Actually, the king initiated it. Himself, with his rebellion, he opened the door for the devil to attack him and God could not do anything to protect the king. All right, verse 15. And Saul's servants said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you, or a distressing spirit is allowed to trouble you. Let our master now command your servants, who are before you, to speak to a man who is a skillful player, on the harp, and it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well, and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful player, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent to Jesse, David's father, saying, Please let David, your son, stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was... Whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand, then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from the king. Now, when David worshipped God, the anointing of God came into the room and the demon had to leave. Remember, Jesus said, God is seeking such to worship Him. And when we worship Him, God's presence comes upon us. That's what happened. The presence of God came into the room and the demon left. The demon left. So it would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from the king. So, now if God had sent this distressing spirit to harass King Saul, why would God chase the demon when the anointing came? Let me say it again. If God sent the demon, God would not chase the demon. Right? If he sent the demon to harass Saul, why would he chase him away? He wouldn't do that. That would be crazy. Imagine if Natalie and Candace were now small, right? And I said... I said, uh, Candace, please go get Dad a glass of water. And off she went to the kitchen. So then I called Natalie, I said, now Natalie, stand behind the wall there, and when Canis comes down with the water, jump on her, don't let her bring me the water. Wouldn't that be schizophrenic? Give one person instruction to do something for me, and I can send somebody else to stop them. That's craziness, God's not crazy. Why would he send a demon to harass the king, then send the anointing to chase the demon? Right, that's not God. So say this with me, please. The anointing breaks the yoke. Say this, when the anointing came, because of worship, the demon had to flee. Worship, say this with me, worship takes me deeper into the presence of God. Say this, worship is one way I can feed on the vine. Say it this way, worship is one way I can fellowship with Jesus and draw his strength and blessing and abundant life into my everyday experience. Isaiah 22, verse 22. God said, I will give him... The key to the house of David, the highest position in the royal court. He will open doors, and no one will be able to shut them. He will close doors, and no one will be able to open them. Now, this is a prophecy about Jesus coming to the earth hundreds of years into the future from Isaiah. Now let's see what Jesus says after his resurrection in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7. But notice particularly in Isaiah that the key of David is a key that opens doors that no one can shut. And it closes doors that no one can open. That's the key of David. And here God says, I'm going to give that key, David's key, to Jesus. Interesting, is it not? All right, now watch Revelation 3, verse 7. Jesus said this after his resurrection, Jesus talking here. He said, write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, or you might say to the pastor of the church in Philadelphia. Write this letter. He's talking to John. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. This is the message from Christ, the resurrected Christ, He is the one who has the key of David, just like Isaiah prophesied. He's saying, I have, Jesus is saying, I have the key of David. Not my key, David's key. (laughs) Okay. Watch this. He opens doors and no one can shut them. David opens doors that no one can shut. He shuts doors that no one can open. So Jesus is saying, I have the key of David. He can open doors and no one can close them. I've got the key. Verse 8. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. And no one can shut it. So Jesus said, I've got the key now. I set before you an open door that no one can close. He's saying this the church at Philadelphia. For you have a little strength. And have kept my word, and I have not denied and have not denied my name, and you have not denied my name. So let's think about that. Why is the key called the key of David? Now I'm gonna give you three good reasons why I think or believe it's called the key of David. Number one. He was a worshipper of God. That's why. There was a very notable part of David's character. He was a worshipper from a teenager. Number two. David obeyed the word of God. He was a doer of the word, right? Number three. David did not deny the name of the Lord. He never said to anybody, I'm not a believer. He never denied Jesus anywhere, anytime. All right. Let's say this together. The key of the house of David is the key that opens doors that no one can shut. It is the key that closes doors, that no one can open. Say this, the key will allow me to stop something and forbid it, and no one can change that. No one can change that. That sounds a lot like Matthew 18, verse 18, does it not? Jesus said said this to us. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you don't allow on earth, heaven will agree with you and it will not be allowed. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And whatever you loose, whatever you allow on earth, Heaven will back you up and allow it, Whatever. we make the decision. Heaven backs us. Jesus said that. Very powerful. That sounds a lot like the key of David, does it not? So, family of God, what we are learning here is that when we worship God, that Matthew 18:18 18, 18 becomes so powerful in our lives so powerful that we can say something and it's going to happen. We can stop something from happening, it'll stop happening. This is the fruit we receive by worshiping God and singing in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit and abiding in the Word, abiding in the Word. So as I said, that does not say that Praising God in our home language is unacceptable. doesn't say that. It's just saying that worshiping in the Spirit is a higher level of worship, a preferred method of worship. Yes, if I tell God, Father, I love you and I worship you, I love you, Father, I worship you, if I say that over and over, God receives it, no doubt about it, and he will bless me with favor and his presence, no doubt about it, But there's a higher anointing when I sing in the Spirit. There's a higher blessing, a greater presence when I sing in the Spirit and greater favor. All right, so I encourage all of you to be full of the Spirit. Amen. So, we the worshipers who abide in God's Word have been given the anointing to speak to circumstances on behalf of our Lord Jesus Christ, with His authority. And nothing can change it, once we have spoken, it can't be reversed. Well, can't be reversed. Nothing can change it, once you have spoken it, it will not be reversed. Yes, there are mighty blessings to those who abide in the vine, And tap into these blessings by worshiping our Lord and King. Try and come early to church. That's one reason I recommend get to church. Right? Any way you can. And get there early. And be determined. I'm going to worship God the whole time the praise and worship is going. I'm going to focus and press in and worship God. If you'll do that, family, you'll see great blessings come to you in your life. Don't be a spectator at church during worship. There's too many believers looking around to see who's here. There's too many believers looking around, staring into space while worship's on. We're not going to walk in this great blessing or favor By doing that. Just being there doesn't mean all this works for us. We have to press in. Don't be a spectator on the grandstands. Get down and play the game. Get on the field. If you become a consistent worshiper, you will see problems melt away. Problems melt away. You will see doors open. Doors open for you that would never have opened normally. Circumstances change in your favor that would never change normally. Opportunities will come your way that you'd never have dreamt possible. Because God's favor, he'll just want to bless you and you'll see it happen. Worshiping God, I believe, personally, is one of the great keys that the church of Jesus Christ has not used as it should. And I believe in these last days we're going to see that key being used mightily. We're going to press in and worship God together in unity and see Him pour out His blessing like it on the Temple of Solomon when the priests could not even play anymore because they were all Under the power of God. In the upper room, when the Spirit of God came down and filled them all, the tongues and the Holy Ghost. Yes, when you worship God, the cloud of His glory will fill the room where you are. And you will see the victory that you never thought possible. So God's given us all these wonderful tools and ways we can press in, tap in, to this abundant life that He has destined for us. So in closing today, I want to encourage you, if you haven't heard the series, go back and watch it on demand. And if you have, maybe you want to think about doing the whole thing again now, that you can watch the whole thing one at a time, get the full revelation and walk in the victory. All right, so now next weekend, my message is titled, Standing Against Fear. Because there's so much fear all around us. We have to know how to stand against it and have the victory over this fear. Because if you let it control your life, it'll paralyze you. That's what fear does. It just paralyzes people. Amen? We're not going to let that happen. So standing against fear is a powerful faith-building message. You do miss. Make sure you're in church Or if you can't get in church, watch online. God bless you all. Pastor Beverly, I'm praying for you. And we trust in God to see you soon. Everybody, Everybody bow their heads, please, and close their eyes. How many would say, Apostle Theo, I need to be sure I'm going to heaven one day? Well, you can know in your heart this morning that you will go to heaven. If you desire to know that just simply raise your hand and take it down and I'll include you in a prayer I'm going to pray right now. Okay? Say this with me. Lord Jesus thank you for dying on that cross in my place. Please forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Save my life. I declare You are my Lord and my Savior. I will live for you with all my heart until I see you face to face. Praise God. If you said that for the very first time, continue fellowshipping with Jesus and you will make it. We will see you in heaven. We love you all. God bless you.